you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. In this podcast, we're going to talk about one of Stephen Anderson's churches, Steadfast Baptist, making some really weird and incorrect analogies for why their members are all straight. Prophet Nathan French and Kat Kerr working together to explain why they were wrong about Trump, but they're actually still right. Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson using more disturbing language about the supposed enemies of freedom, aka anybody to the left of shooting the homeless for sport. Tony Perkins telling some Republicans to resign for hosting an event for a pro-LGBT Republican group, the Log Cabin Republicans. We also take voicemails. The phone number is 1-800-701-8573. If you'd prefer to email me instead, you can send it to telltalemailbag at gmail.com. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hi, Owen. You, uh, I just saw this wonderful thing you just released Sunday morning. God Almighty, I'm just stunned. It's just such a beautiful truth, truthfulness to it. But at the same time, I could hear you in the background telling them you're not paying any attention to the first commandment. And I would invite you to start quoting the first commandment as these people love Trump instead of God. For reference, the first commandment, of course, is thou shalt not have any other God before me or some other thing like that. Basically, don't worship any other gods. Weird, considering the fact that there aren't any other gods, right? Why would God tell us not to worship any others if there just straight up aren't any others? A little suspicious there, if you ask me. Longer Christianity without without the Christ. It's like oh, my joke right now is welcome to the Church of Jesus Christ without the Jesus Christ, where the lame don't walk, the blind don't see, and the dead remain that way forever. That's the church that they have now. It's the Church of Trump. Anyway, I'm loving I'm waiting for your show tonight. Bye. Yeah, I appreciate the voicemail. It is a little bit like the Church of Trump, right? That's kind of strange. And in fact, earlier I released a video that I've kind of been talking about for a while. Trump is the Antichrist. Of course, I'm not a Christian. I'm an atheist. But if I were a Christian, I would definitely believe that the dude was the Antichrist. Seriously, he fits all the criteria to a T. So, I don't know. I guess all of these people were deceived and they're okay with that. It's really strange seeing them justify all of their bizarre behavior and beliefs. But we've been doing that all along, haven't we? Hey, Alan. This is Ivy. Um, I've been watching your videos um, more recently. Uh, like, I just stumbled across them a little while ago. Um, I was wondering, uh, in older videos uh, on your main channel, you talked about uh, the extremism gradient uh, as an addition to the bite model. And I've noticed more lately, I haven't heard that. I don't get a lot of time to watch your full live streams, but I haven't heard a lot about the extremism gradient. Is there something that happened to that or a reason that you don't talk about it as much anymore? Uh, thanks. Looking forward to hearing from you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, no, the extremism gradient is still out there. I put it on my website because I wanted it to kind of be in print rather than just in video form. I just haven't expanded upon it much. I have an outline for a talk and for a book that I want to write about this. I just haven't 
gotten around to actually doing it yet. The extremism gradient, the idea behind it is, uh, hang on, I'm looking through. I have like PowerPoint presentation on it, basically, that I was forming into a talk, but I hadn't gotten around to yet. The idea behind the extremism gradient is that there are different levels of cults. There's Jonestown level of cults, Jehovah's Witnesses, Heaven's Gate, and Scientology, and other centralized hierarchical groups that control people from the top down. There's that kind of cult. And then there's another type of cult, the type of thing you find with, say, Donald Trump, where a single figure seems to be calling the shots and defining doctrine and giving people information. And these people may be getting their information elsewhere. Donald Trump followers also watch Fox News and Newsmax and all these other things. But when they hear something that contradicts or goes against Donald Trump, they disregard it and they listen to him specifically. They take his word over any other person. That's a level two cult, decentralized and focused. And then there's the third layer, which is level one cults. That would be decentralized and non-focused. Things like flat earthers or anti-vaxxers, things like that. I wrote this before COVID actually hit. I think I originally posted this February of 2019, which was a, a solid year before anybody really started talking about COVID anyway. And I specifically listed some anti-vax stuff that was happening, you know, at the time. Some anti-vax arguments that people had proposed pre-COVID. Anyways, if you wanted to look at the extremism gradient and what I wrote about it, it's at my website, telltaleatheist.com. It's the top stickied post, I believe, the extremism gradient. So just click on extremism gradient, give it a read. And like I said, I am currently working on an outline, or I have an outline. I'm working on writing a book slash long-form talk about this whole thing. I do want to expand upon it more. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I've been busy. Thank you for bringing that up, though. It's a really interesting question. Hey, Owen. My name is Michael. I'm just sitting here watching your most recent uh, Telltale Fireside chat. Uh, I do have a question. It has to do with the shift in uh, the political landscape that happened in the 50s with the election of, uh, or sorry, the 60s with the election of um, Kennedy. Do you think that we'll ever see a shift back to where the Republicans become the Democrats and the Democrats become the Republicans? To answer your first question, I don't think that we're ever going to see that again. You can actually look at charts, which I'll put up on screen. This is a YouTube video called This 60 Second Animation Shows How Divided Congress Has Become Over the Last 60 Years. I'm going to show you guys some of it. But I'm going to set it up to be like double speed or 1.5 speed just so that we can kind of get through it because it's only a minute long. But check this out and see what you guys think of it. Connections are drawn between pairs that voted together a certain number of times. Okay, this is a Business Insider video, Business Insider YouTube channel. So this is the 81st Congress, 1949 to 1951. This shows basically how many times each senator or each house member actually voted with people from the other party okay 
This is 1953 to 1955, 57 to 59, 61 to 63, 67 to 69, 75 to 77, 83 to 85, 91 to 93, 99 to 2001, 03 to 05, 07 to 09, 2011 to 2013. And there you go. That's the entire chart from beginning to end. In case you didn't notice, it's getting ridiculously polarized. People refuse to vote with others of a different party. And that is a concerning trend. I don't see how we reverse something like this. This country is more polarized right now than I believe it has ever been in U.S. history, ever, with the exception of the Civil War era. We have stronger institutions than we did then, obviously, because I don't believe that we're going to break apart like we did in the Civil War. But that may be a bad thing in itself, because during the Civil War, or after the Civil War, they expelled people from Congress who had an interest in sedition or treason. Our institutions are so strong today that that's something that nobody would ever even consider. That's not something that we could accomplish today, expelling somebody from Congress, no matter what they did. There are people in Congress right now who I believe have committed sedition, at the very least, against the U.S. government, like Josh Hawley, for example, and others. But nobody seems to care. Our institutions are too strong to allow something like that to happen. So that's a good thing, and that's a bad thing. It means democracy is going to survive, at least on its face, but it means the seditionists, the anti-democratic people inside the government, are going to have an opportunity to wreak havoc to their heart's content. That's concerning. Anyways, hopefully that answered your first question. Second question, do you think that there will ever come a time where the Democrats just stop trying to play by the rules the way that the Republicans don't play by the rules and they just decide that they're going to throw the rule book out and just play the game the same way that the Republicans do. Thanks. Have a great day. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call. The answer to your question is no. I don't think Democrats are ever going to get to that point. Republicans have gotten to the point that they are now through years of radicalization, intentional radicalization through Fox News. You know, what's his name? The guy that runs it? Rupert Murdoch, I think his name is. Rupert Murdoch set out to radicalize people, did everything he possibly could to make that happen. And here we are. We're radicalized now like half the country is, actually less than half, probably 35, 40% is galvanized and radicalized and polarized as much as you can get. And at this point, we're no longer seeing people go into Congress with the intent to radicalize. Now we're seeing people enter Congress who are the product of that radicalization. The tail is wagging the dog. Rupert Murdoch isn't paying congressmen to say crazy shit anymore. They're just coming out and saying it because they...
When we come back, we're going to talk about one of Stephen Anderson's churches, Steadfast Baptist, making some really weird and incorrect analogies for why their members are all straight. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next story I want to talk about is about a guy named Steven Anderson. Now, I'm sure you guys probably know exactly who he is. Just in case you don't, I want to give you a little bit of a refresher on him. He runs an organization, I guess you could call it, called the NIFB, the New Independent Fundamentalist Baptist Church. And it's an offshoot of the IFB, which is the Independent Fundamentalist Baptist Church. I'm comfortable calling it a hate group for sure on par with the Westboro Baptist Church, for example, or others. It gets pretty extreme sometimes, like real fucking extreme, some of the things that he says. So we're going to take a look at some of that, some of his comments. But actually, this clip isn't about Steven Anderson himself. It's about one of his, uh, one of the member churches of the NIFB called Steadfast Baptist. Steven Anderson's church is called faithful word baptist church but like i said he runs the nifb and steadfast baptist is under that umbrella so i wanted to listen to this pastor who i don't think i'd ever heard of before name is matt adair maybe i've heard of him but i've never watched any clips from him before but we're gonna watch this clip by matt adair and see what he has to say in a minute For the moment, let me give you the refresher on who Steven Anderson is. Check this clip out. No homos will ever be allowed on this church as long as I'm the pastor here. Never! I have to be honest, when when I heard your sermon, it sounded like the rantings of someone who was either a hate monger or a religious zealot, and I'm wondering which are you? Before he answers, let me just point out that those are two like negatives. Obviously, people should view being a zealot of any sort as a negative and also being a hate monger as a negative. They should, right? Let's see what Mr. Anderson seems to think. Well, I'm a religious zealot and you know, I love the Bible. I love God's word. I believe that the law of the Lord is perfect. And, you know, Leviticus 20.13 clearly says, If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with the woman, both of them have committed an abomination, they shall surely be put to death, their blood shall be upon them. And, you know, as a Christian, I believe the Bible, and that's where I get my belief. So he seems to take pride in the fact that he's a religious zealot. But honestly, I don't feel like religious zealot really describes him adequately. I feel like it's underselling what he is. We just watched that clip a second ago of him going completely batshit crazy from the podium about the LGBT community, but that is just one in a sea of disturbing clips that this guy has put out proudly. We're going to talk about a couple of the other pastors in the NIFB umbrella too, not just Steven Anderson, not just Matt Adair. But let's continue listening to uh, Stephen Anderson's justification for this. Did you say, Pastor, that you prayed for the death of Barack Obama? Oh, so, so now Obama and the race card comes out. My church is filled with black people. My church is filled with all races. In fact, the Bible says we're all of one Am blood. Am I misquoting you? 
or did you say that you pray for the death of Barack Obama? Well, yeah, it had nothing to do with race. This guy didn't bring race into it. It was about the fact that he prayed for the death of Barack Obama. Steven Anderson's the one that brought race into this. Yes, I did, but Obama's white. Uh, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but did you say that if people perceive you as a, a hate monger or your church as a hate group, so be it? Absolutely. I don't care how people perceive me. They called Jesus Beelzebub. They nailed him to the cross. And Jesus said that they hated him because he testified of their works, that their works were evil. That's what I'm doing. That's why they hate me. That is so completely unhinged from reality. I don't even know where to go with that. So that's Steven Anderson. Now, a while back, there was a campaign against the NIFB among the atheist YouTubers because they were holding a MASA rally, M-A-S-A. -A. It stood for Make America Straight Again. It was held right in the middle of Pride Month. I think it was last year, not this one, but the last one, maybe. Either 2019 or 2020 when this happened. I believe it was held right next to the Pulse nightclub for, you know, obvious reasons. I shouldn't even need to explain further. They celebrate tragedies like this. So during this whole expose that the atheist community was doing on the NIFB back then when the Make America Straight Again conference was going on, one of the people that we were exposing was a guy named Tommy McMurtry. And he wanted to make sure he set the record straight about how he felt about the LGBT community. Check this clip out. This is Tommy McMurtry from the NIFB, one of Steven Anderson's generals in the NIFB, explaining how he feels. We know there have always been almost. We know they have always been around. We've read the book of Genesis, okay? Nobody's saying they're never around, but there was a time when society, when our country, saw them for what they were and they put them in their place six feet under and unfortunately we have forgotten that in our country that's the kind of people we're working with it's not just steven anderson steven anderson has trained up a new generation of hate mongers of truly evil people truly evil people and this next guy I wanted to talk about, Matt Adair, this pastor, is one of them at Steadfast Baptist Church. I fucking hate this shit sometimes. I, I enjoy talking about this because I feel like it's making a difference. But I hate the fact that this shit exists in the world and that it's so prevalent and widespread that it has become necessary for me to talk about it in the first place. Anyways, this is Matt Adair. This is from early November 2021. It's not that old, so give this a listen. But if you go to shoot an arrow, you don't want to shoot an arrow that's crooked. You don't want to shoot an arrow that has a twist to it. But if it's crooked, it's not going to shoot. It's not going to fly straight. It's going to fall. It's going to hit the ground. It's not going to hit its target. Okay, we know where this is going, obviously. It's a really poor illustration. You know, I'm not sure if it's the illustration that's poor or if it's the delivery that's poor. I can't really tell. Maybe they're both kind of not that great. But Jehovah's Witnesses actually have this book. It's this red book, or it used to be red anyways. 
I don't even know if they have it anymore, but I think it's called Theocratic Ministry School Training Book or Guidebook or something like that. I think, honestly, that last I heard, they got rid of the Theocratic Ministry School, so this book may not exist anymore anyways. But in the book, they're basically explaining how to do public speaking. They're describing the whole thing beginning to end, keeping eye contact with people, how to write an outline, the whole nine yards. And I read that book cover to cover because I really wanted to do public speaking when I was a Jehovah's Witness, when I was younger. Who knew that's what I would grow up to do as I got older, but here I am. Anyways, I read that book thoroughly, and one important point in that book was don't go completely over the top with illustrations or props or things like that. You can't go over the top because it gets a little ridiculous sometimes. Like I said, I can't tell if it's the illustration that's kind of cringy or if it's the delivery in this case, but there's something just off about this talk in general. Maybe it's the guy giving it, I don't know, or the premise that it's built on. Let's keep listening. It's not going to hit the mark. So if you're shooting an arrow, you got to make sure it's straight. And you know, when you're to actually craft your own arrows, because that's why I believe this, how we should apply this as children are like arrows, well, you get the raw materials, okay? You, you got the raw materials of the baby, and you need to craft them and fashion them into a man of God or a woman of God. And look, when you go to craft your own arrow, not the one you just buy from the store like this, they have to make sure they're straight. And they'll have to often put them over fire, put them over steam, and straighten them out. Not to criticize the guy's um, delivery too much here because it's not super relevant, but he's obviously new to public speaking. He seems a little bit too stiff. He's not really delivering with like emotion. He's not using emotion in his voice. He's kind of bland and lackluster and seems kind of unsure of himself a little bit. Maybe he's a new pastor in the church, I don't know. Maybe he's just not used to doing this, but give him a couple of years and he'll be a regular Steven Anderson. And make sure that they don't have any crooks in them. And you know what? Obviously, you know, I think all of us got this down. We don't really have to worry about this, but hey, our, our, all the boys should be straight, amen? I'm sorry, what? Let, let, let me step back and listen to that one bit one more time here about this but hey our, our all the boys should be straight amen all the boys should be straight or would be straight i'm trying to understand what he's saying here this is one of the really strange positions that the nifb holds that many other christian organizations don't hold even extremist ones they seem to believe that it's a choice Basically, every Christian organization believed that being gay was a choice for the decades leading up to now. That way, they could condemn you for your choice. But a lot of people have come around to realize that it's not, you're, you know, either you're straight or you're not. It's not something that anybody consciously chooses. I find it interesting that these guys have continued to stick to the it's a choice narrative. Steven Anderson himself was actually asked a while back, what would you do if your son came out as gay? And he said, well, that's a fallacy. You know, that's like asking what if my son was a murderer or something? He, he's not. He also said, if he did choose to be gay, then I would disown him. That was his answer. I know that the natural reaction to that is to feel for his kids deeply. 
But I do want to point something out about that. Steven Anderson's kids are... The ones that aren't super, super young right now are already turning out to be equally as vicious and poison-filled as Steven Anderson is, naturally. That's who, you know, they're learning about religion from this guy. Of course, they're going to hold the same views and vitriol and hatred as he is. What's even more sad about the situation is the fact that Steven Anderson and the NIFB more generally is part of a movement called the Quiverful Movement. The belief that you should never use birth control, ever. You should just continue having kids over and over and over again, just like the Duggars, you know, 19 kids and counting. A lot of really extreme Christian groups seem to hold that belief, the Quiverful Movement. Like, they seem to be members of the Quiverful Movement. I think that's at least in part because they want to swarm the population with more extremists to the best of their ability. And to some degree, that is working. That's working. That's doing what they wanted it to do. So Steven Anderson has some ridiculous number of kids, like 12 or something. And the ones that are old enough are already saying some real disturbing shit. Let's keep listening to Matt Adair. Our children need to be straight, okay? And, you know, that's not something we obviously don't worry about that because, look, if they get saved, there's 100%, you know, 100% reliability. Take it to the bank. That's interesting because, like I said, Steven Anderson compares being gay to being a murderer in other clips that I've seen of him. In fact, he, he made that comparison in the clip that we watched at the beginning of this video. Uh, I just, I didn't get to that part. If you continue watching the interview longer, then you find that part. But the point is, I find it interesting that Matt Adair believes that Christians, if they're saved, aren't murderers, for example, like the comparison that Steven Anderson made. You won't find a Christian that is also a murderer. I guess they're just forgetting all about the Crusades and all the other stuff that Christians have done throughout the decades or throughout the centuries, the millennia. They weren't real Christians, right? Is that what it is? You're not a true Christian if you're a murderer or if you're gay or whatever else. But that kind of invalidates what he said in the first place. I think all of us got this down. We don't really have to worry about this, but hey, our, our, all the boys should be straight. Amen. Our children need to be straight. Okay? And, you know, that's not something we obviously don't worry about that because, look, if they get saved, there's a hundred percent, you know, a hundred percent reliability. Take it to the bank. If they're saved, they're straight. So if they are saved, then they are straight. I feel like I'm trying to apply reason and rationality to something that is completely devoid of it once again. We have to sit here and try to apply reason and rationality to it anyways. We have to poke holes in this stuff. If we don't, then who will? They're growing up in a church like this. They'll be saved. They'll be straight, okay? These people live in a delusion, and what's more, it's a disturbing, harmful delusion that genuinely hurts people. We have to continue to address this stuff. If we don't, who will? When we come back, we're going to talk about Prophet Nathan French and Kat Kerr working together to explain why they were wrong about Trump, but they're actually still right. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. 
you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Next story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Nathan French. Now, you might not have heard about this guy before. I've never covered him on my channel, but he is what he calls a prophet. He calls himself a prophet of God, receives divine information from God himself to pass down to others. He's basically writing new Bible books, similar to what Kat Kerr does, our old friend Kat Kerr. And our friend Robin Bullock, they both consider themselves prophets and write new books to the Bible. I mean, they're not writing the books and inserting them and selling them as new versions of the Bible, but that's what they're doing effectively. When they speak, these are God's words being transmitted through them. So I wanted to take a look at this guy because he is one of many prophets who it seems to be prophesying things about Donald Trump. He went on the Elijah List, Elijah Streams YouTube channel with Steve Schultz. This was early November, I believe November 5th. You can kind of see it in the clock here in the background if you squint. So let's listen and see what he says. And the Lord's going to bring Trump back in. Now, Trump, I think President Trump actually uh, would prefer not to have to come back and, and serve uh, in, in the presidency because his life is probably really great not having to take on that responsibility. But I believe that he he knows deep down in his spirit, he knows that God has chosen him not someone else. He's flawed for sure. I don't believe in some of the things he says about vaccines. Isn't that interesting? That's the thing that he took issue with. He says Donald Trump is flawed for the things that he says about vaccines. Of course, Trump has been promoting vaccines recently, to everyone's surprise. Really happy that Trump's been doing that, trying to encourage people to get vaccinated. That's a good thing, right? This guy doesn't feel that way, apparently. And that makes Trump flawed. That is hilarious in some ways and sad in others of course that's kind of the tagline of my show at this point hilarious and sad <laughs> anyways so nathan french believes that donald trump is supposed to be president according to god he's going to be president again it's his calling and he got the strange idea that donald trump doesn't want to be president what gave you that idea donald trump didn't have to run for president the first time he did it because he wanted power, obviously. That's why any politician runs for political office. Who the fuck would want to be a politician, in all seriousness, if it wasn't for the power? Now, some people use that power for good, like, for example, Bernie Sanders. Or they, at least they try to use it for good. They use it with good intentions, at the very least, even if they aren't doing the right thing 100% of the time. They're, they're at least trying to do the right thing. But... I would venture to say every politician, including Bernie Sanders, is in it for the power, even if they have good intentions with that power. Donald Trump got into politics for the power, just like every other politician on the fucking planet. I cannot relate to that in any way. I 
just do not understand why anybody would be compelled to run for political office. I know people who want to run for political office, and it just is not connecting for me. I don't get it. Politics is like a constant game of who, are, who am I going to piss off next, and what angle are they going to take to, to try to destroy my life? That's what it's all about. I really don't understand why anybody would try to engage in that, but, you know, people absolutely love this shit, not least of whom is Donald Trump. I mean, he didn't have to from the start, but he did it anyways. So I completely disagree with his assessment that Donald Trump doesn't have to and probably doesn't want to. I genuinely believe that Trump wants to do this. I haven't seen a hint of evidence that Trump doesn't want to be the president. God called him as the Trump card. And he's right. going to throw that card on the table in just the next few months. Isn't that interesting? God called him as the Trump card. That sounds familiar to me. God, I have like this m photographic memory. Like I know exactly where people are pulling their quotes from. I'll tell you exactly where this came from. This, this clip came out December 2019. It's when people were still running, uh, campaigns were still going, and it was before the 2020 election actually took place. It was Johnny Enlow sitting there talking with his wife, and I even know exactly what timestamp to go to. It's about three, uh, it's about one quarter of the way through. Listen. It's the only time I've ever, while seeing a vision, actually talked out loud, and I go... I'm sorry, my mistake is about halfway through. Let's keep listening. And then the Lord progressively began to speak regarding that. And he said, this time in the presidency is going to be a hinge of the ages. And you'll be known as before Trump and after Trump because of the way I'm going to use him. I'm using wow. him as a Trump card, but I'm the Trump card player. Using him as a Trump card, but I'm the Trump card player. Does that sound familiar? What did this guy just say? God called him as the Trump card. And he's right. going to throw that card on the table in just the next few months. I guess we know who he listens to, Johnny Enlow. That's really interesting. I guess this guy is kind of connected to Johnny Enlow, which, by the way, Johnny Enlow is most famous for being basically the linchpin between QAnon and Christianity. So I would be willing to bet. I mean, I don't know for sure. It seems to me that Nathan French is most likely a QAnoner if he listens to Johnny Enlow. How God is actually going to take back what the enemy tried to un unauthorize, he tried to steal, and he tried to manipulate, and, and the whole system of how we elect people in the future will be restored. Integrity will come back to the election so process. Good. This guy is obviously making prophecies here, like he's writing new books to the Bible, basically. Integrity will return to the system, God is going to reinstall Trump, all this other stuff. Complete nonsense and no basis for believing it at all, but he says it anyways. Let me ask you this, how would you, you must have people, your people that go to your church or people you when you're out and about at conferences, who would say, Come on, guys. Two days ago was the one-year anniversary of the election. If it wasn't over before that, it's over after a year. How can you possibly waste our time and energy claiming Trump's going to come back? He would have come back long ago 
had it not, you know, if he was going to come back, what would you well, say? I would say, well, you're exactly right. Dude's not coming back. Why don't you just get over it? I'm sorry. I know that question wasn't directed to me, though. So let's listen to Nathan French, see what he says. Well, say. well, you know, many people said when I when I was there at the White House and when President Trump came over and did the fist bump and all the news channels yeah. were were blazing and taking all the pictures. Right. And I, start, I took a risk to prophesy over him and Melania. But I, I said, you you know, you're going to win big, you know, and he's like, I hope you're right. You know, mm -hmm. I said, oh, yeah. And I repeated it because it was like he wasn't convinced. Right. Because he knew that they had rigged the system because yeah, their, their intel had come in. They knew they were going to try to hijack it. And so I'm I'm standing there in front of him on my birthday. Yeah. I, I just want to point out, like, this guy has uh, like a. Uh, almost like a supernatural view of Donald Trump. Like he reveres him to a different degree than other people. I mean, listen to his voice and look at his body language and how his eyes light up when he, you know, recounts this story of talking to Donald Trump, of meeting Donald Trump at a rally, even for a few seconds. He's just so excited about it. Look at his smile hope you're right. You know, mm -hmm. I said, Oh yeah. And I repeated it because it was like, he wasn't convinced. Right. Cause he knew that they had rigged the system. You know, Nathan French is saying this, you're going to win big, not as a prediction. Donald Trump seems to have taken it as a prediction. It, it wasn't a prediction. It was a prophecy from Nathan French. It was a prophecy that there's a distinct difference between the two. And so I'm, I'm standing there in front of him on my birthday. What's happening, what we're seeing right now is the unraveling of the enemy's plan because God's been shining the light. Remember, I gave a word, you know, uh, get right before he shines the light. And I saw the Lord mm -hmm. shining a light into the dark places and all. The now he's actually describing a vision that God gave him, like an open vision or something that God showed to him, like the revelators from the New Testament, like Daniel or the book of Revelations, you know, whoever the fuck wrote that. Was it Peter or Paul or Mary or John? I don't fucking remember. Anyways, John, I think it was John. It, he's talking like he's one of them, like he was receiving an actual vision from, from God himself about god shining a light into the darkness and, and establishing trump as like the president of earth or something you know uh get right before he shines the light and i saw the lord mm -hmm. shining a light into the dark places and all the scurry of the evildoers or those who had had worked against christ with an antichrist spirit and so anyway we're gonna see god finish what he began the word promises that he will finish the good work he began where people miss it and start trying to discredit the prophetic community is when they start getting the timeline messed up if somebody gives a word that hey on this date this person's going to be in office and it doesn't come to pass then it was a false word it wasn't true that's spot on completely agree um so what he's saying here is to alleviate that problem Stop naming dates. You can still prophesy, but don't name dates. He's seemingly coming to a conclusion that a lot of people came to like centuries ago. Don't name dates. Jehovah's Witnesses used to do this same shit. They would name dates over and over and over again. 
God, hang on. Let me find a list real quick. Just a short list. 1878, and donating the proceeds to the organization because they believed they wouldn't be here by the end of these dates. And by 1975, Jehovah's Witnesses learned better and said, okay, you know what, we're never going to name another date, but we'll imply dates from that point on. Then they started saying, we're probably not going to see the new millennium. We're not going to see the year 2000, probably. They wouldn't come out and say it outright. We will not, so just sell your shit off. Like they were basically saying in 1975 and other uh, end times predictions they made. But they were at least implying it for the year 2000. And they continue to do that even today. Not long ago, they made a 12-month prediction and said, I don't believe that we're going to be here for another 12 months. Effectively, that's what a governing body member said. I believe Stephen led. I made a video about it a while back. But anyways, Jehovah's Witnesses learned better not to make date predictions. And I guess Nathan French here seems to be learning that lesson that people have you know, already learned like long ago. I wonder what took them so long. Don't set dates. It wasn't true. But if they give that word and it, the date that they gave hasn't yet come to pass, you can't call them a liar, you know, or that they were wrong because it, the time hasn't happened yet. Okay, I guess that's true. In the same vein, I could say, I'm going to own a pink dragon that breathes fire at some point. That is just as easily proven true as your claim that Trump is going to be the president at some point. Just don't name dates, I guess. It doesn't make it any more likely that it's going to happen if you don't name a date. He is on to something here. If you don't name dates, then you don't have to move the goalposts like Kat Kerr keeps doing. She said Trump is going to win in a landslide, and it failed. She said that Trump was going to pull it out in the end. May not be a landslide, but he'll become president. It failed. She said Biden would never be president. That failed. These people continue to say Trump is going to be president in 2021. That failed. You know, they keep making these predictions and they keep moving it back. Now Kat Kerr is saying... Well, you know, they're not going to give him three years. Like, if they made him president today, then he'd only have from 2021 to, like, 2024. And that's only three years instead of the full four that you get as president. So they're going to have to give him his terms later. At the end of Biden's term, they'll put him in. She keeps moving the goalpost. I guess this guy's saying, if you just don't name a date in the first place, you don't have to move the goalpost. You just say, it's going to happen eventually. Genius. Because it, the time hasn't happened yet. Uh, if somebody doesn't give a date and God gives a word and speaks through the voice of his prophets, which he's doing on the earth right now, because he's still mm -hmm. there's still prophets today. That's this is the uh, prophets and prophetic uh, people is my new sermon series starting this weekend, Saturday night and Sunday. Uh, I'm going to be talking about prophets and prophetic people. And there's a whole bunch of people on the planet that don't believe that there are still prophets on the earth. And, yeah. and so they, they scripturally are trying to resolve that, and they're teaching people that prophets no longer exist. Yeah, I mean, I can get on board with that idea. If somebody actually made a prediction 
which, by the way, would have to be very specific. It would have to name a date, and it would have to name a time, honestly, for me to believe it, too. And it would have to all come true exactly if I were to believe that it was a prophecy. And I would have to know for a fact that you had no power to influence it. Nobody else knew about it before it happened. So the kind of thing where you write the prophecy down on a piece of paper and you fold it up and you put it in an envelope and you mail it to me and it sits on my dresser for 12 months or a year or something. And then a year, I'm sorry, for 12 months or, or two years or something. And in two years, I open that letter and I read it. And sure enough, every very specific thing that you predicted came true exactly and I could verify that there is no other way that you could have possibly known this but through God himself then I would believe it but we don't see that kind of shit you know the kind of shit we see it's big general sweeping things that they say God gave me insight into and at best it's 50 50 if it comes true or not they claimed Trump was going to win the election. That's not specific, and it's not miraculous if it does happen. That's not a prophecy. That's a prediction. But they're framing it like it is a prophecy, claiming it is a prophecy. These people cannot get over themselves. There's another clip I wanted to watch, though. It's from our old friend Kat Kerr. It's actually a newer clip just came out. She's had similar things to say to this guy Nathan French. So let's give this one a look. This is on November 10th, 2021. Check it out. I take power over all the power of the enemy that is involved in activities in the White House or D.C. And I, in ways that they're, they're, they're cheating, stealing, and lying. They're defiling the people by allowing evil to come in. I command my host of heaven, 100 million to go there now and 24 hours a day for the next 10 days or 30 days you will release the terror of God upon those places, upon the people doing those things, that they will come to repentance or great fear will fall on, upon them and they will just sometimes stop what they're doing. Sometimes they will be, feel like they have to report it. Go host, make toast. And right. in that second, they will immediately go and begin to leave waves. There is waves of the terror of God. I mean, God had, there's a terror. There's a terror of God coming, not for us. It's not for the body. It's for the wicked. And he is going to do it. But we can send the army of heaven who actually can bring that and release that. They will do it. Wow. What the holy fuck was that? My face is going to be permanently frozen in this position when I turn 70. What was she even doing? It sounded like she was demonstrating how she calls for angels to come down and do things. Of course, Kat Kerr, we know, believes herself to be a commander of an angelic army, and in fact, she even wears a commander cat patch on her camo outfit sometimes. Like I said, I have like a photographic memory for this stuff now. Like, of all the useless information to store away in my mind, I have perfectly preserved like the the timestamps and the clip names and lengths and everything of the craziest evangelical like televangelists that you have ever seen in your life. Look at this Commander Cat badge she has here. 
on the right in this camo fucking outfit. She genuinely believes herself to be the commander of an angelic army. This country, hello, we have someone hello. who's truly in charge who is not the one who's sitting there now. Right. Uh, our president is legitimate. And He's his name real, yeah. is Donald Trump. I'm just going to say it. Okay. So anyways, the point is Kat Kerr believes herself to be like a full-blown like angelic army commander and i guess what we just witnessed was her smugly as you can see if you're watching the video version of this smugly calling angels down to disrupt the biden administration because they evidently stole it from donald trump is she ever going to give up on this or is she just going to continue to move the goalpost just keep pushing it back. She claimed he was going to win in a landslide. He didn't. She claimed he was going to be inaugurated on January 20th instead of Biden. She was wrong. She claimed that he was going to be reinstated in 2021. Still waiting. When is she going to give it up? Will she ever? Is she just going to keep throwing these out there until she gets a hit? I don't know, but I, I honestly, I have to say this is entertaining as hell. When we come back, we're going to talk about Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson using more disturbing language about the supposed enemies of freedom, a.k.a. anybody to the left of shooting the homeless for sport. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Next story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Mark Robinson. He is the lieutenant governor of North Carolina. So a big fucking deal, obviously. He is a political figure and extremely powerful within his own realm. He holds a lot of influence over what happens in North Carolina, and he's had some extremely disturbing things to say recently. So I wanted to give you a little bit of a refresher on why he was in the news in the first place, and then we're going to talk about some of the more recent things that he had to say in early November 2021. His claim to fame really started early October 2021, Let's give this clip a watch and see what he said at this church, I believe. It is flat out child abuse. Take your children and tell them they have to attend school. Don't have a choice. And then some of them will tell them they don't want you to have a choice where they go to school. You have to send your children here to school. Okay, this is all like bizarre Republican talking points. I don't know why he's getting so worked up over this stuff, but you always have a choice in where your kid goes to school. Always. And you always have. If you don't want him to go to the school in their district, you have the option of homeschooling them or hiring a private tutor to do it for you or sending them to a private school. That's always been on the table. What he's saying right now is actually a lead up to a larger argument that he's about to make, but I want to poke a hole in this premise before he even gets there. What he's saying is ridiculous. Then when they get there, what do they teach them? Teach them a bunch of stuff about how to hate America. 
teach them a bunch of stuff about why they're racist. Now, I never learned any of that stuff in school. I'm not even sure what he's referring to here. But again, he's trying to reinforce the idea that basically kids are forced to sit down and listen to somebody say all these very specific things to them. And to some degree, I guess that's true. Like, you are legally required to teach your kid a certain level of math skills. They have to have certain level of math skills and science knowledge, social studies knowledge, and things like that by certain ages. They have to take state testing to ensure that the population is at least literate. I mean, these state tests are pretty comprehensive uh, in most places at the very least. Teach them a bunch of stuff about transgenderism and homosexuality. I'm saying this now, and I've been saying it, and I don't care who likes it. Those issues have no place in a school. Okay, I don't know what school he's talking about that teaches kids about quote-unquote transgenderism and homosexuality. Is that what he said? Who's even teaching about that stuff? Are you saying that you're upset that your kids have, like, gay friends or trans friends or that they go to the same school as people that are gay? Like, what are you even really upset about here? And for the record, I I get that you're upset over these things. I disagree with it completely. I think it's fucking stupid. But bear with me. Abstinence-only sex ed leads to higher abortion rates and higher teen pregnancy. If you're really pro-life, you should be fighting for science-based, comprehensive, sex ed classes but it's not about being pro-life it isn't about that it never has been their starting position is hating the democrats hating the other hating the lgbt community their starting point is othering people and having an us versus them mentality it's owning the libs that's their starting point once you realize that that's where they're starting and they're working backwards from there, every other decision that they make suddenly makes sense. You can understand why they went, where they went, when you realize that's where they started. It's not about principle. It's not about teaching the kids this thing or that thing. It's not about saving unborn lives or any of that. It's about owning the libs. And it has been for a long time. At least 15 to 20 years we've been moving that direction. There's no reason anybody anywhere in America should be telling any child about transgenderism, homosexuality, any of that filth. And yes, I called it filth. And if you don't like it that I called it filth, come see me and I'll explain it to you. It's time for us to stop letting these children be abused at these schools. And it's not going to happen till the people of God stand up and demand different. I know that he doesn't like this fact, but the LGBT community is here to stay, and there's nothing that's going to change that. There's nothing that's going to change it. So you're just going to have to get used to it. I know he hates that, but that's what it is. The LGBT community historically has dealt with being beaten for who they are, being shunned and mistreated and bullied and banned from marrying each other. They were treated like pariahs throughout history. And here we are. That stuff still happens to some degree, more than it should. 
but we have moved to a more tenable situation than we were in the 1950s. Society progresses. Conservatism is a losing position because society changes. That's the nature of it. If you want to conserve the past, you are, by default, holding a losing position. The moral arc bends toward justice, to quote Obama. We will move in a more progressive, positive direction. We may take a few steps back on our way there, but we will move toward progressive good solutions, always. Look at where we are compared to 200 years ago, compared to 150 years ago, 100 years ago, 50 years ago even, 25 years ago. We have made progress over the years. It will happen. I know sometimes this shit seems discouraging, but we will make progress. Don't let yourself get down when you hear shit like what this guy had to say. Anyways, I covered that clip before. That's not the reason that we were here. I just wanted to give you a little bit of a lead up to his latest clip. So let's give the latest one a watch. This one came out early November 2021. Check this out. Freedom, equality, courage. That's what this nation was built on. And our enemies share a whole different platform. They share a platform of tyranny, poverty, suffering. Did you notice what he said just now? Listen to this one more time. And our enemies share a whole different platform. Our enemies. Did you catch that? Our enemies. This is an us versus them mentality to the core. He believes that anybody who doesn't share his political views is an enemy. As he said in another clip, which I'll insert here in a minute, he wants to be a freedom fighter against the devil, quote unquote. I was born in L. Richardson Hospital to be one of God's freedom fighters. Bottom line, I was not born to make nice. That's why my mother named me Mark, after the God of war. Because I'm here to literally make war on the devil. And anybody on the devil's side, presumably, I'm reading into it, but that's what I'm assuming he believes based on the language that he uses. Warlike language, hateful, angry language. He starts from a position of hating his enemy, and he works backwards from there. Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina. They share a platform of tyranny, poverty, suffering. That's what they intend on bringing us so that they can stay in power and they can stay in control. Folks, these people are the enemies of freedom. They're the enemy. They're your enemies. And those politicians out there that may be listening to me, especially on the state and federal level, stop trying to get along with people who hate you. I said this earlier, and I'm going to say it again. I don't hate anybody for anything. When I hear people say disturbing shit like this, it seems painfully obvious to me that they need help. There is something going wrong in their minds that they believe this horrific, fucked up shit about their enemies, their supposed enemies. Why is this guy using warlike language and saying that the side that I'm on is filth and it's disgusting and all this stuff? He's saying it's filth. How do you justify that to yourself when you are calling people filth like that? The only thing they want from you is for you to disappear. They don't want to work with you. 
I would love to work with these people, seriously. I would love to work with anybody if we can get things done. It's just that his solution to the LGBT community involves, I don't know, hunting them for sport? And my solution to the LGBT community is making them equal members of society in every way, systemically, socially, every single way. They should be equal members of society to everybody else. They should no longer be oppressed, systemically oppressed. So when he says, we don't want to work with him, that's inaccurate. I'd love to if he would come around and accept that the LGBT community is just as good as any other person out there. Like, every member of the LGBT community is just as good and capable and intelligent and worthy as every other person out there. Instead, he's sitting here calling them filth. They want to work with you long enough for you to turn your back so they can cut your throats. You know, that's kind of the nature of politics, honestly. Uh, everybody is out to cut everybody else's throats just to kind of step on their face and get a little bit higher up. And that's horrific and wrong, but that's the nature of politics. I wish we had some kind of a test that we could run to exclude people from running for office if they had those qualities. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, we don't have those tests. It is time for us to get as bold and unafraid and warlike in spreading the truth in this nation as these people have been in spreading the lies that are currently destroyed. Yeah, so here's my thing, okay? I have a couple of lines that I don't like to cross as a public figure. Now, just in my personal life, I'll call this guy a scumbag all day. Personally, honestly, I believe that we shouldn't be insulting people, certainly not people with big platforms, shouldn't be insulting people directly. It coarsens the discourse. It lowers the level that we're working from. So no insulting. It's very rare I insult people, even in this case. And also, no endorsement of violence. No fighting language. I don't believe in using those two methods. No political violence, no even alluding to political violence, and no insulting. That's how I try to approach things. I fail sometimes. I don't always do it. But if somebody calls me out on it, I have been known to change it. I will take videos down or edit them and re-upload or put like a pinned message on the top or whatever if I break my own rules like that. I don't believe in insulting, I don't believe in political violence, and this guy is doing both. He's demonizing the other and starting from the own the libs starting point and working backwards from there, saying that we need to get warlike and destroy our enemy. Fucking disturbing how far we have fallen in political discourse, in societal discourse, in how much the other seems to hate us, and vice versa. You know, there are some people out there on the left who have an absolute disdain for other people and, you know, might want to see them dead. I don't believe that's okay either. Even if the person is on the left, I don't think it's okay. I think we should avoid insulting and we should avoid using violent rhetoric, violent language, like using the word warlike. We need to get warlike with these people. They are our enemy. We need to take them out, that kind of thing. And if we're not ready to do that, 
If you're not ready to do that, then you're not ready for this fight, folks. And that's what this is. This is a fight to save this nation. The Biden administration said they want to ask me what I did with every $600 that I spent. You know, they said they're going to hire all these IRS agents to come out and find out what you're doing with your money. Uh, okay. I, I didn't hear about that, but all right. I guess I'll accept the premise tentatively just to continue the argument and see what he has to say. Um, did Biden actually say he's going to hire more IRS agents or something? What? And why this, why the reference to $600? What is he even talking about? I think that there was like a $600 stimulus payment a while back, wasn't there? But that was like tax exempt as far as I know. What's he even talking about? I know when you start a business, the amount that you have to make before you have to report it to the IRS is $600. Like if you start selling things on eBay and you make $400 off of those sales in a year, you don't, you're supposed to report it the moment you make a single penny. But I think the official rule is you don't have to report it until you make $600 in a year. Is that what he's referring to? I don't know. Like, this is kind of confusing what he's even talking about. $600 that I spent. You know, they said they're going to hire all these IRS agents to come out and find out what you're doing with your money. Told a group last night, I don't know, you know, I love music and so There's an old song called Rocky Talk. You know that song, Rocky Talk? You know, back in the old days, they used to call the IRS man, they used to call the revenue man. There's a line in that song that goes like this. It says, uh, once two strangers climbed on Rocky Top, looking for a moonshine stick. Strangers ain't come down from Rocky Top. Reckon they never will. I don't know if you caught that. It's kind of like garbled and hard to understand, but basically he's quoting a song that's talking about the IRS man goes to somebody's house, goes up a rocky top or something, goes up a mountaintop, and starts asking what you're doing with your money, and he never comes back down. Judy, you got this. Rocky Top was a bluegrass song in the 60s and 70s about revenuers getting drunk on moonshine they were supposed to be taxing. Oh, okay. That's the context I was missing. I appreciate that. Revenuers, of course, being IRS people, I guess. Does that sound to you like an endorsement of violence because it sure as shit sounds like it to me this is a lieutenant governor a lieutenant governor of north carolina doing this shit what the fuck is going on in this country right now people clapping somebody might want to go read that line to them in washington dc some folks in this country ain't friendly like I am. And they ain't gonna take too kindly that you coming, sniffing around, asking what they've been doing with their hard-earned money. This is straight-up endorsement of political violence. That's what this is. In my opinion, this should be illegal, endorsing political violence, using this kind of stochastic terrorism method to get people whipped up into a blood frenzy and actually put real people's lives at risk, specifically putting IRS agents' lives at risk. If they call you up for an audit or something, they I would honestly fear for my life if I was an IRS agent trying to audit somebody after this guy gave a talk like this, after he seemingly encouraged violence against IRS agents.
He's not the only one that's done this shit either. Marjorie Taylor Greene did the exact same thing when Biden said he wanted to have people go door to door offering the vaccine. He's going to be sending one of his police state friends uh, to your front door to knock on the door, take down your name, your address, your family members' names, your phone numbers, your cell phone numbers, probably ask for your social security number and whether you've taken the vaccine or not. Yeah, well, what they don't know is in the South, we all love our Second Amendment rights. And we're not real big on strangers showing up on our front door, are we? This is a disturbing level of political discourse at this point. A disturbing level. They talk about $600. Come and ask me what I did with my $600. Please, come ask me. You stand at my door. What did you do with that $600? I bought ammo. He's doing like a stand-up routine right now, but it's not very funny because he just got through threatening people with political violence. I guess that's probably why I don't find it very funny. The point is, this guy is outright encouraging political violence, and we have come to an extremely disturbing point in political rhetoric in this country. I don't know how he sleeps at night. I don't know how he lives with himself. Maybe if somebody sat down with him and explained the history of how political violence takes place, how it starts and how revolutions begin and who dies first when these revolutions take place, maybe sitting him down and explaining this shit to him would do some good. Maybe it would click with him that he probably shouldn't be doing this. This might not be in his personal best interest if he really wants to encourage like a real full-blown revolution like this. I don't know why he's encouraging this, and I, I hope he changes his mind and reverses course, but something tells me he's not going to. When we come back, we're going to talk about Tony Perkins telling some Republicans to resign for hosting an event for a pro-LGBT Republican group, the Log Cabin Republicans. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Next story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Tony Perkins. Now, I've talked about him a few times. It's been a while, though. This clip is from early February 2021, and I have another clip that's from June 2021. But there's a more recent one from mid-November that I wanted to hit on specifically because there's some controversy happening right now in the Republican Party. We'll get to the story in a minute, but let me give you a refresher on who Tony Perkins is. Like I said, this... First clips from early February 2021. Give this a watch. These are challenging times. I'm not, I am not going to put any kind of spin on it. The policies that are coming out of this administration are, are, are literally from the pit of hell. Okay, that's kind of a tall claim, I guess. But obviously, we know who he voted for. He voted for Donald Trump and contributed to all the bullshit surrounding Biden getting inaugurated, of course. 
Let's keep listening. Within, within hours of taking office, forcing you as a taxpayer to be involved in funding abortions, not just here in America, but around the world. That's a complete misrepresentation at best, a full-blown lie at worst. You know what? I'm going to have to read it and tell you guys exactly why, because it's important context. This article is from the, from, I'm sorry, this article is from AP News. Title is Biden rescinds abortion restrictions on U.S. foreign aid. The article says President Joe Biden on Thursday, of course, this is forever ago, like when Biden first took office, rescinded a regulation that barred U.S. foreign aid from being used to perform or promote abortions. His decision, while expected, was cheered by pro-choice advocates and some humanitarian groups and denounced by pro-life groups. The move also included a restoration of American funding to UN Population Fund and withdraws the US from an international accord that promotes anti-abortion policies. So this wasn't like suddenly your tax money is paying for abortions domestically and abroad. That's not what this was about. Uh, it was just a single policy change that allowed foreign aid to go to organizations that participate in or promote abortions. That's just fear-mongering and going way over the top when he said, taxpayer to be involved in funding abortions, not just here in America, but around the world. That's just nonsense. That's not what really happened. It's a misrepresentation at best. The attack on religious freedom. What attack on religious freedom? What's this dude even talking about? Attack on our children with forcing schools, this transgenderism on elementary schools, secondary schools, colleges. Again, what is he even talking about? Attack on children? Won't somebody please think of the children? and our nation's military. Our military has now become, once again, a laboratory for social experimentation. The guy is obviously just repeating absurd, unhinged from reality talking points that make absolutely no sense. He's just repeating things that people want repeated, verbatim practically. So a couple months later, that one was from February. This one is from mid-June 2021, and guess what? Guess what June is? It's Pride Month. So he had some things to say about Pride Month. Let's listen to what he had to say here. Tonight, surviving the rainbow onslaught. When you can't turn on the television, shop for cereal, or scroll through Facebook without being hit over the head with LGBT pride, how should Christians respond? How about just don't respond at all? Just live your fucking life. Does that seem like an amicable solution? Why do you have to respond at all? If you don't want to get involved in this, then just move on. Why are they obsessed with forcing their beliefs down our throats? If you have a gay cousin and he's talking about going on a vacation with his husband or something like that, guess what? That's a normal part of life that everybody does. But as a Christian, Tony Perkins apparently wants you to be morally outraged when you see something like that on Facebook. When you see a gay relative engaging in a normal part of life that everybody else does, you should stand up and speak out and start shit with them. Nobody wants you in their business, so stay out of it. That is an amicable solution to me. Thanks to woke corporate America and the most radical administration in history, there's no escaping the left's forced sexual revolution. What does the Bible say about confronting the culture's re rebellion? The culture's rebellion. 
I guess that means being gay is rebellious. He is another one of those people, obviously, who seems to be under the impression that this is a choice that you can just choose to be straight or gay if you want. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. And he's going to attack you for it, for making that conscious choice. How did we get to the point where celebrating sex and transgenderism became a 30-day event that rivals Christmas? It does not rival Christmas. It's like Black History Month. It's just a recognition that there are people out there who are historically oppressed and mistreated, and your job is to recognize their contributions to society. Simple as that. And you know what? If you don't want to, you don't have to. Just move on with your life. Do your thing. Nobody is actually forcing you to sit here and recognize that LGBT people are normal members of society. You know, if you don't want to do that, you don't have to. But that isn't what he wants. He wants to seemingly actively cram his Christianity down your throat. Is it just me or is it almost like a neon sign that this is called Pride Month? The very thing that when we read throughout scripture is the <clears throat> downfall of man is pride. It's almost as if... Uh, as I prayed uh, a few moments ago about shaking a collective fist in the face of God. You wonder if the spiritual forces behind Pride Month have tipped their hand. Wow, man. You wonder if the spiritual forces behind Pride Month have tipped their hand, i.e. Satan is behind Pride Month. Satan is apparently encouraging people to be gay, and he tipped his hand, he made it too obvious. We know it's Satan because he named it Pride Month. It's too obvious. These people are so disconnected from reality, it is ridiculous. So anyways, the point is, that's Tony Perkins. I wanted to give you a little bit of lead up to who he is before I cover the next story, which is on FriendlyAtheist.com, written by Hemant Mehta. The title is Christian Hate Group Leader Slams RNC Chair pandering to gay Republicans. As I mentioned, the Christian hate group leader is Tony Perkins, guy we were just talking about, and the gay Republican group is the Log Cabin Republicans. Surprisingly, it is a Republican group that is actually pro-LGBT. Bizarre, I know. Let's read the article, see what Hemant Mehta had to say. The Log Cabin Republicans, a conservative group that foolishly pretends the Republican Party is a good fit for LGBTQ people, recently held an event at Mar-a-Lago, naturally. Donald Trump was in attendance, as were plenty of other Republicans who desperately want LGBTQ people to vote for them despite actively promoting anti-LGBTQ candidates up and down the line. I actually heard about the Log Cabin Republicans originally from American Dad. I don't know if you guys have seen... American Dad, or if you know the episode, but there's a whole episode about the Log Cabin Republicans. They seemed to believe in the episode that Abraham Lincoln was gay, and I think there's a compelling argument that he was bi, in real life, for real, and that he was an atheist. There's a compelling argument for it. Of course, we have no way of knowing for sure now, but, you know, that's a suspicion that I have. Either way, the Log Cabin Republicans were heavily featured in that American Dad episode, and that's how I heard about him in the first place. I didn't actually realize they were real. Apparently they are. Honestly, seems like a completely foolish idea to try to... I, you know, 
I guess what they're doing could be productive in its own way. It, it seems futile. Getting the Republican Party to accept the LGBT community seems completely futile to me, but I guess I could get on board with an argument that it, it could be constructive. Republicans have been the ones fighting the LGBT community since day one. It's the conservative party. They want to conserve traditional values, traditional marriage. They don't want you to exist. But here you are supporting their candidates. I mean, who do they even vote for? They, they must be voting for candidates who are anti-LGBT. They must be. I don't know of any Republican candidates who are actually in favor of gay marriage. I mean, Donald Trump didn't seem to be vocally opposed to it, and didn't he, like, hug a flag saying he loved the LGBT people or something like that? I don't even remember now, but I, I seem to have some faint memory of Donald Trump doing some really weird shit with a flag. Anyways, um, other than that, I don't know of any Republican candidates or campaigns that actually support the LGBT community. I'm sure they're out there, but they have got to be few and far between. Let's continue reading. RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel spoke at the event and announced that the GOP was committed to working with the Log Cabin Group, whatever that's supposed to mean. Here's a quote. They enrich it by adding unique perspectives to our party and recruiting even more diverse candidates and supporters to join our cause, McDaniel said. The RNC is launching our first ever RNC Pride Coalition, she continued adding that RNC Pride will work alongside our other coalition groups to invest in communities and mobilize support for the upcoming midterms. Yeah, um, I guess Republicans are kind of lacking in the diversity department, if you will. Um, it's pretty much entirely older white guys for the most part. Honestly, it's pretty much entirely evangelical Christians. That is like the biggest voting block that makes up the Republican Party. You can't win an election as a Republican without getting an endorsement from evangelicals or without pandering to, to evangelicals at the very least. And of course, evangelicals are diametrically opposed to the LGBT community. I'm honestly not sure what the log cabin Republicans are accomplishing, but obviously this is causing a serious rift. Just the fact that Ronna McDaniels, the head of the RNC, the RNC chair, went to this event in the first place created a huge rift. So anyway, let's keep reading the article. This is Hemant Mehta speaking. You can't roll your eyes hard enough in response to that. The Republican Party actively opposes LGBTQ rights as a matter of policy embraces anti-LGBTQ bigotry from its top candidates, and nominates openly bigoted people to the federal bench. I'm not surprised McDaniel would pay lip service to LGBTQ Republicans. I'm shocked that any LGBTQ people are dumb enough to fall for it. You'd have to be as gullible as conservative atheists who think the GOP supports church-state separation because they keep talking about how much they love the Constitution. Yeah, I can definitely agree with Hemant Mehta on that one, but there is a weird number of heavily conservative atheists. Like, I don't know where this is coming from or why there are so many of them, but it's kind of fucking strange. The Republican Party is the one that wants to create a Christian nation in the first place. 
The Republican Party is the one that can't win elections without evangelical support. It is the party of the religious wingnut, basically. And they pander to them constantly because they know that. Look, I, I understand having a difference of opinion on some conservative issues. For example, I get it. You want to argue about taxes, that we should lower taxes to stimulate the economy, so on and so forth. I get that. We can debate that. That's okay with me. I mean, you're wrong. Trickle-down economics has been disproven as complete garbage for decades. But we can debate it. I'm down. Let's talk this through. If you have conservative ideas, I am so cool with you. We can talk about this. But voting for somebody who is doing their best to oppress people and hurt people and institute a Christian nation is mind-blowing to me. As an atheist, how could you possibly justify voting for a candidate who wants to set up a Christian theocracy? How could you justify voting for somebody who wants conversion therapy as a gay person? How could you justify that to yourself? It just makes no sense to me. I get that atheists, by definition, only share one thing. There's only one thing in common by default here, and that is a lack of belief in God. I understand. But along with that fact that there is a lack of belief in God, you have to realize that we practically do live in a Christian theocracy, right? And it shouldn't be shoved down people's throats. I mean, those things kind of logically follow from that premise. Anyways, let's finish reading this article, and then we'll take a look at uh, the clip with Tony Perkins. This coalition is idiotic. This is Hemet Mehta speaking. It doesn't even actually exist. Yet even the thought of it is absurd because the GOP is never going to do anything substantive to improve the lives of LGBTQ people, certainly not without Democrats leading the way. I say that knowing that there are plenty of Democrats who aren't ideal allies either. Now here's a twist for you. Another conservative is also condemning this purported coalition, but he's mad for a very different reason. Tony Perkins is the leader of the anti-LGBTQ hate group Family Research Council and someone whose own political history involves David Duke and the Confederate flag. Oh wow. David Duke, by the way, is the leader of the KKK or the ex-leader. I'm not sure if he still leads it or not. He called into a radio show hosted by Fox News reject Todd Starnes yesterday saying that McDonald's Daniel's comments were so absurd that she should resign immediately. Let's give this clip a listen. This is Tony Perkins talking to radio show guy Todd Starnes. Check it out. There's a lot of RNC members uh, in leadership positions that are upset about this because they were not told. This was something that uh, uh, Rana did on her own. Uh, quite frankly, I think it's time for her to, uh, to take up something else and uh, leave the party to those who... I think can chart a path forward, restore what has been lost, and make sure that the Republicans, the conservatives, regain the majority both in Congress and continue to see victories and uh, gains in states across the nation. You know, honestly, it seems to me that if that's his goal, if that's what he wants for like Republicans to like regain seats and stuff, you would think he would embrace this idea, the the pro-LGBTQ Republican coalition or whatever, right? It's a grand tent. 
you would think he'd want to bring more people into it to get more votes. Pander to the LGBT community. He doesn't want that because he fucking hates the LGBT community. He fucking hates it. He will never work with the LGBTQ community. That should be a signal to the log cabin Republicans that they're fighting on the wrong team. I honestly do not get how anybody who is a member of the LGBT community could possibly justify ever voting for a Republican when this is their response when you do. Get the fuck out. That's their response to you. You vote for our candidate. I don't give a shit. I don't want you here. And I will do whatever it takes to prevent you from being a member of this party. Not only is that the response from the Republican Party when LGBT people try to get involved, but this is the exact same response you'd find if, an, if atheists were openly trying to get involved in the Republican Party. I get you have conservative values. I understand that. But the people you're voting for fucking hate you. I don't know what would drive you to vote for somebody who fucking hates you fundamentally to your core. He's to step down is what you're saying. I think so. Yeah, I think she needs to step down. I oh. think uh, she, 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 she has uh, outlived her purpose at the RNC. They are willing to burn any bridge to get rid of the LGBT community, to get them to excise them from the movement. They don't want their votes. They can go to the Democrats. They don't give a shit. Get the fuck out of the Republican Party. That seems to be the message to me. Why were you guys even voting for them in the first place? Seriously. Why were you doing that? They fucking hate you. They, they hate me. I understand you want lower taxes. I understand you have these ideas about how... I don't, I don't fucking know. What other things do Republicans lean on that aren't social issues or culture war issues i understand you're afraid of socialism i understand you want lower taxes and all that other shit but these people hate you you are not getting anywhere while you're voting for them i promise you thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen and i will talk to you next week if you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.